Okay, so today's daf is Kuf Yud Zayin. We finished actually at the very bottom of Kuf Tadzayin, but just the opening uh, three words there, the last three words of uh, Kuf Tadzayin are, are really the opening words to hear where it says, the Chayavin, which is the opener to the, um, the uh, uh, you know, the, the Halil part, or the conclusion really of the, uh, the opening of the Ga'al Yisrael part of the uh, of the Haggadah, which is sort of like where we read the last, we read the beginning of the Halel uh, prior to the Motzi Matzah, and, uh, and and we say the blessing of Ga'al Yisrael. So the Gemara is going to go on a tangent before it even starts talking about the topic, which is just in general, it's, it's sort of Agadot that are going to take up the next daf as well. Amar Chistam Rabbi Yochanan. So there are words sometimes that have the yud hey affixed to the end as a suffix. Hallelujah is the most common one. And the second one is yad al kesya. This is at the end of Bishalach after Melchemet Amalek. The hand is on the throne of God. That's how we usually translate it. Kesya, it's written in our Sifrei Torah as two words, throne of God, where the yud hey is the name of Hashem. So it has kedusha, and then we have vididya. The name yididya is a. It can either be a statement, a description of Shlomo Melech yididya. He is like uh, he is the beloved one of Hashem, or could be a new a new word that just happens to incorporate incorporate Hashem's name, as many names do. I mean, many names in almost every name in Hebrew has some reference to Hashem in some way or another. Yehuda. Bitzalel is Bitzalel, you know, there's, there's uh, pretty much any name that you have almost uh, has some mention of Hashem. It doesn't mean it's Hashem's name. It doesn't have Kedushah because it's, uh, because it has Aleph Lamed, Nitanel, anything like that. Doesn't make it a, uh, a Hashem's name. But if it were written Yedid, yeah, it's two words. So then the Yud Hey is actually Hashem's name because it's describing that this one is beloved to Hashem. The question is, what is the correct way to write it? Okay, we're talking about what is it? One, one question here is the right, what's the right way to write it in the Sifrei Tanakh? The other, and of course, what goes along with that question is whether you have to have in mind that that Yud Hei has Kedushah, is the name of Hashem, or it's just the name of a person. Okay, so the uh, so uh, according to Rav Chizdan, the name of Rabbi Yochanan, even Hallelujah is one word. And Kesya is one word, and Yedidya is one word. So when, even when you write Hallelujah, even though we tend to think that that, is, that incorporates the name of Hashem, he's saying that that's not really Hashem's name in the sense that it doesn't have Kiddushah. It's one word, Hallelujah. And we're going to and we're going to see in a little bit that that could just mean uh, give many praises. Like sh- there, there are certain type, times where you have the Yud Hey, or you have even the word Elohim. It's Ir Gedolal Elohim. It's a great city to God. What does that even mean? Or Ruach Elohim could just mean a very powerful wind. It doesn't necessarily mean Hashem. Shalhevet Ya. Shalhevet Ya is in Shira Shirim. Shalhevet Ya doesn't refer to God. It's saying a great flame. Shalhevet Ya. So here it could be. Hallelujah. Great praise. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean Hashem's name. Anyway, that's, that's one word. Right? So Merchavya is again, um, he says that they are one word. Um, that the uh, that uh, that merchavya also is for, is one word where the yud hey uh, is part of the word merchav, and you don't have to have intent that the yud hey refers to Hashem. Okay, just like kesya, he says, is one word. Now that's not what we have in our sefer Torah. We have it as two words: kesya, uh, throne of God, not the great throne. Uh, which would affix the yud hey to the uh, kaf samech, but as a separate word in our Sifrei Torah. But he says that also, uh, merchavya, 
And that's something that we have in, uh, also it's, it's in Halel, no? Merchavya, um, right. It's like wide space, Merchavya. Okay, he says that's one word, so it's not really Hashem's name. Rabba Amar, so the Rabba, it says it should be Rava, according to some. Uh, he says Merchavya Bilvad, only Merchavya is one word. The other ones are two words. So he would say Kesya and Yedidya, seemingly, are two words. Uh, they asked, Merchavya Rav Chisdamai. What Rav Chisda didn't mention the case of Merchavya. What does he say about that? Take a, we don't really know. Ibailu. What about Lirav? Okay. Uh, what about Yedidya Lirav? Because Rav didn't mention Yedidya. He only mentioned Kesya and Merchavya. What's his uh, stance on Yedidya, which is what Shlomo Melech was called? So, Tashima, come in here. The Amarav, Yedidya, Nechlag Lishnaim. According to Rav, Rav, you have to separate the word Yedidya into two words, beloved of Hashem, which means the Lefichach, Yedid, Chol, the Yud Dalid, Yud Dalid is not Hashem's name, meaning you don't have any, you don't have, obviously it's just a word, but the Ya is uh, Hashem's name, and you have to have intent to give it the Kiddushah, it's Kodesh, okay? So he says it's two words, Yedidya. Ibalu, they asked a question, Hallelujah, the Rav Mai. Rav didn't opine about Hallelujah. What does he say about that? Tashma, come in here. Rav, Chazina, Chaviva. He said that I saw the Teilim of my uncle's house. Dichtiv Beo, Hallelu Bechad Gisa, Via Bechad Gisa. If you look at a Teilim, actually, in an actual separate Teilim, it's like written as Shira. You have on one side half the pasuk, and on the other side half the pasuk. It's all written as, as a shira. If you, if you have actual sefer teilim, that's written in Tanakh. It's written in the form of a shira, the whole thing. So he said the halilu was on one side of the pasuk, and the yah was on the other side of the pasuk. So you see, it's two words. It's not halilu, yah, one word. It's halilu, yah, it's two words. Now, obviously, that means that the yud is Hashem's name in that case. But he says, I saw the sefer teilim, and that sefer teilim actually had, and that was Rabbi Chiyah. Rabbi Chiyah was his uncle. He said that you see that that's how they wrote it. So obviously they thought it was two words. This is in contrast with what Rabbi Shoban Levi said, because Rabbi Shoban Levi, my hallelujah, hallelujah, behilulim harbeh. According to Rabbi Yosho ben Levi, hallelujah just means praise him with great praise. The yud hey is what we call a superlative. It's just to show the extreme, extre- you know, the exaggeration, you know, that we're, we're saying praise him greatly. Like I mentioned before, the case where nobody asks, uh, nobody questions, is shalhevet ya in uh, shira shirim. Great flame, okay? It doesn't mean flame of God, okay? So that's used, it's used as, an, as, as, as to show exaggeration, to show greatness. And actually Rabbi Yosho ben Levi contradicts himself. Because Rabbi Yosho ben Levi himself said, And what does it correct us to? Shel Shevach doesn't exist in the manuscripts. Okay. There are ten different types of expressions used for the chapters in the book of Tehilim. One is Benitzuach. Sometimes it says Lamanatzeach. We're familiar with that. Sometimes it says Beniginu. Sometimes it uses the word nigun. Uh, so he, he gives actually examples of all of these, and, and most of them we we recognize these examples. Okay, so uh, uh, so nigun. Does he give a good example of that, or he doesn't give example? He doesn't give example of nigun. Okay, so uh, but it, we know beniginot mizmorshir. You know we have the idea of niginot. We have the nigun. That term is used. Maskil many times says maskil le David. Okay, that's another term that is utilized for the uh, chapters of Tehillim to den- to introduce them. Bimizmor, bishir. Sometimes it says mizmor, sometimes it says shir. Sometimes they open with ashrei. Actually, the first word of uh, Tehillim is ashrei ish. 
right? So it's, it's actually the first, uh, the very first chapter starts with the word Ashrei. And betila. Uh, sometimes it's tila le David, like Ashrei. We're used to, we think that Ashrei starts with Ashrei, but it actually doesn't. Because when we read Ashrei Yoshebe Betecha Odi that's not really part of that chapter. That chapter actually starts Tehila le David, If you look in the book of Tehilev, read Tehilev, you don't see the Ashrei Yoshebe Betecha, right? So it says, uh, and then so you have Tila, you have Tfila. Right, uh, t- you know, Tefillah LeMoshe Yishe Elohim or many others. Beodaa, you have case where Hodaa, like Hodu Lashem Kitov. He says Hodaa, or Tefillah LeAni Kiyatov would be another example of Tefillah. BeHallelujah. Sometimes they open up with Hallelujah. Gadol Mikulan Hallelujah. And the greatest one is Hallelujah. Shekolel Shem Veshevach Bevatachat because it includes Hashem's name and praise in one word. So what do you see here? He's contradicting himself because before he said Hallelujah doesn't mean Hashem's name; it just means give a lot of praise. Here he says, no, it includes Hashem's name and also praise. So he said both things. Um, when the Jewish people came out of Yamsuf, that's when they said the, uh, the shira of uh, Az Yashir Moshe. So we know that that shir, that original song, Az Yashir Moshe, was said by the Jewish people. Right, and we know that because it's obvious. It's written in the Torah. But who said the Hallel? In other words, who invented Hallel? Because it doesn't say in any of them is Morim of Hallel. In other words, if you start from the beginning of Hallel, of Hallel right? And, and all those, it never says David, it never says Mizmor le David in any of those. It's just, it's, you know, all the praise. Betzeit Yisrael mi Mitzrayim, Lolano Hashem Lolano, you know, there's no, David's name is not mentioned anywhere in there. So maybe this Prakim, it's possible and we know that in some cases it's, it's, it's explicitly stated that David took uh, previous authors' writings, like uh, things by Moshe Rabbeinu, and put it in. Moshe Elohim. He took uh, what was already there. It says some of them, it says actually elsewhere that you know, there were several authors of, uh, of, of uh, Tehilim, including Adam Arishon, wrote Mizmor Shiliyom HaShabbat, according to the tradition. Yeah, Levnei Koch. He took a lot of different uh, people. Uh, right, Asaf wrote some. There's a lot of different authors in there that he took. So it could be that he took Halel and it was a pre-existing text. He didn't have to have written Halel. There's no... Not, at least closer to that time, yeah. It's a, at least at least closer to that time, yeah. At least people that would remember that could be. So it says, that the the neviim amongst the Jewish people established it for them that they should say it on, in every situation and every trouble. Even though really it means any time a problem would come, when they're saved, they should say it for their redemption. But the idea is that this was made by the Nevi'im um, later on in history. Uh, It doesn't exactly say which Nevi'im, right? It just says that the Nevi'im did it. So the idea would be that, you know, it wasn't said in the times of Moshe Rabbeinu. Tanya, it says in the writer, Everything written in Tehilim, David wrote it. Because it does say, Right, it says in the in at the end of Perek Ein Bet and that this is the end of the Tfilot of the David Ben Yishai, and of course then there's more Tfilot of David Ben Yishai and the rest. So it's always confusing. The structure of the book of Tehilim is very confusing. One, but 
Because, so he interprets it, meaning everything in here was written by David. What do you do with all the cases where it says, and all that? I don't know. But he's saying that everything, I guess, anonymous, I assume that he uh, wouldn't deny the authorship of the ones that explicitly say, uh, you know, this is written by Lishlomo, assuming that that means he wrote it. Some people say it means it was dedicated to him, right? But uh, some of them clearly say they were written by other people. Uh, you know, uh, so uh, assuming that um, that he accepts those and he doesn't think it means they're dedicatory, like uh, this was written for these people. So then David wrote everything else. So everything anonymous in there, including the whole Halil, was written by David according to that. Even right? wrote it, he compiled it. He compiled it, but meaning he authored the, everything that's anonymous, saying he authored it, right? So now Halil Zeh, who was the one who was the, uh, who wrote the Halil, right? So... Uh, uh, so uh, obviously, according to what um, what Rabbi Meir just said, it sounds like he thinks that he wrote the Halel also because he said uh, he said everything in the Tehillim is written by David, right? So he seems to be taking the position that David also wrote the Halel, right? Um, so the uh, so Amar uh, Rabbi Yossi Omer, Rabbi Yossi said Elazar Beni Omer Moshe Yisrael Amruhu B'Shashalu Menayam. My son says, my son tells me that it was Moshe Rabbeinu and the Jewish people that made Halel. Because they said it when they came out from Yamsuf. In other words, not only did they say Az Yashir, but they also said Halel. It was composed at the time. And that would, be, that would tie in with what you're saying. It said, B'tzet Yisrael mi-Mitzrayim, B'tzet Yisrael mi-Mitzrayim, B'tzet Yisrael mi-Mitzrayim, etc. Right? B'chalukin alav chavirav. But everyone else disagreed. Lomar she David amor. Uh, the, to say that David actually said it. But I like what my son says better than what they say. Because How is it possible that the Jewish people for all those centuries brought their Korban Pesach and shook the Lulav and they didn't have a Halel to say? Right? Right? So how could it be? So How could it be that the Pesel Micha is there and the Jewish people invented Halel? Why is that a problem? Because it doesn't mean it's, it, that the Pesel Micha is not actually crying, meaning it's, a, it's being sarcastic. It's saying the Pesel Micha, the idol of Micha that we learned about in the book of Shoftim was sitting there from the times of the Shoftim all the way through the, till the Galut, till the, at least the first Galut of the, uh, of the Northern Kingdom. It was there. So, the, uh, so if, if that's the case, there was actually idolatry like happening in Israel and how could we have you know, parts of the, of the Halil that say, you know, Kimohem you osehem, how could they, you know, may they be like the idols that they worship, anybody who believes in idols should be, you know, and it should be cursed just like the idols that they worship and so on. But how could you say that if the Jewish, how could that have come out at a time when there was actually idolatry going on? So it must have been that it preceded it, it came from the times of Moshe Rabbeinu. Right, that would be the, that's argument. There's an interesting machlok at Rishonim between the Rambam and the Ramban. The Rambam, Maimonides, is very emphatic that, uh, that Halil is only Dirabanan. And all forms of Halil are Dirabanan. There is no Halil Deoraita. It's always Midirabanan. And the Ramban and other Rishonim say, no, you see from here that the assumption was that some kind of Halil was Deoraita. Meaning that they said, not necessarily that the words of the Halil were written by Moshe Rabbeinu, but, uh, but the, meaning they said some kind of Halil when they brought the Korban Pesach. They said some kind of a praise when they shook the Lulav, you know, but it yeah, doesn't necessarily... Right, yeah, some yeah, kind yeah. of a concept of praising God in a Halil must have existed. Yeah. In any case, the Tanur uh, Abanan. So, uh, right? So, all of the uh, praises that David said in the book of Tehilim, so... 
to whom do they refer? Like we talked about all the tzarot and the salvations and everything, you know, like all the tehillim that talk very generically. You don't always know what he's talking about. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, keneged atzmo amaran. Rabbi Eliezer said whenever he's speaking, he's talking about himself. When he talks about the troubles, the tribulations, the problems, all of the things that happened that, uh, to him that he was saved from, he's talking about himself. Rabbi Yosho Omer, keneged No, he's speaking as the embodiment of the Jewish people. When he says, this happened to me, Right? This happened to me. I was down, you know. He's speaking on behalf of the Jewish people. He doesn't mean me personally that I was, my life was transformed from bad to good. He's saying the Jewish people. Right? The rabbis say, Yes, man, can I get Tzibor? Yes, man, can I get that? It depends on the case. Can I get that? When he's speaking in the first person, okay, first person singular, such as Aromimcha, uh, like uh, like the mizmor that we say for Chanukah, actually, right? Mizmor Shir Chanukah Tabayit the David, where he says, "Kidilitani," you know that Hashem saved me and He didn't allow my enemies to try. He's speaking personally, so that's him. But Veshmen can I get Zibur? The one, but Hamurot Lashon Rabim can I get Zibur? The ones that are written in a in a language of plural language that's referring to everyone. So whenever David Amelech speaks in uh, uh, the first person singular, he's referring to himself, his personal experience. Whenever he speaks in uh, in a uh, in a plural, he's either thanking God for the entire Jewish people or he is praying to God on behalf of the entire Jewish people or what, whatever he's expressing he's expressing it as part of the entire Jewish people so it's both according to this right now whenever you see a mizmor that starts with or benginot like it says for example it's talking about some prophecy for the future okay okay um, it, it's talking about the future redemption and the future uh, everyone is going to acknowledge God it's the future right when it says right David it means something that he told to a spokesperson and the spokesperson would go and uh, and say it uh, loudly and he says it's called maskil because he would inform sechel he would inform the uh, the speaker and then the speaker would say it loudly david when it says do you ever notice sometimes it says mizmor le david sometimes it says le david mizmor says when it says le david mizmor it means that first the shechina came and he had ruach kodesh he had divine inspiration and then he said the shira mizmor le david that means at first he wrote the, th- the song and the song inspired him to have Ruach HaKodesh. It went the other way around, right? Sometimes, the, sometimes a person is inspired with uh, divine inspiration and they express something. Sometimes the expression itself brings about the divine inspiration. We've seen this before. Very famous uh, statement of Chazal. The Shekhinah does not rest on somebody when they're lazy. And not when they're sad. And not when they're joking around. And not when they're lightheaded. That doesn't mean lightheaded that you didn't have enough, that you're, you know, you're suffering from diabetes and you're sugar is low. It means that the person is being silly, right? And not from silly speech. It's only when a person is involved in the joy of a mitzvah that the Shekhinah will rest upon him. We've seen this before already a number of times um, has this come up in the Gemara and it'll tell us on the side of where we saw it. We saw it in Masachet Shabbat. We also saw it in Masachet Bachot. So uh, we've seen it twice already. This is Pam Shlishi, right? The third time, Pam Shlishi, that we have seen it. 
And um, the idea is that a person has to be in the right state of mind to receive the divine presence. If they're down, then they can't. That's why Yaakov Avinu, for all those years, wasn't able to have the divine presence on him. And they, and they even say that you see Mordechai couldn't come. He couldn't come in a mournful clothes in front of the king. It's the same concept that a person, in order to receive the king, has to not be involved in his own sorrows and his own sadness. He has to be able to focus on the experience. That's talking about Elisha. Elisha wasn't able to have prophecy. He needed to have prophecy. He was upset. So he asked them to bring a music a musician, and the musician played music, and that allowed him to receive prophecy. And of course, the question is, how is that a simcha shel mitzvah? So Rashi explains in Masechet Shabbat that it's because receiving the Shekhinah is a mitzvah. And since he was doing it, like he wanted to ready himself to receive the Shekhinah, so it's considered to be a holy uh, action of simcha. The same is true with regard to learning halacha. If a person is in a bad mood, they're not going to learn very well. If they're happy, they will learn better. And it's definitely true. I mean, pretty much anything that you do, if you're in a good mood and you're feeling happy, you're going to do it better. And the reason why I've ex- I explained it when we talked about this in Masechet Shabbat is because a depressed person, if you know a little bit about psychology, you know a depressed person, their energy is turned into inside. They can't really engage. That's why the symptoms of depression are they don't want to eat, they don't want to socially, in, they don't want to interact socially, they don't want to go to work, they don't want to go out, because they're, in, they're, they're focused in on themselves and their own sorrows. A person who's happy doesn't feel any internal conflicts and sorrows, so he's able to engage with the world around them, and that includes learning. Kids learn better when they're happier also. We know that. When kids are, have a bad home life and there's all kinds of bad things going on at home, they're also not able to learn because they're, dro- dro- you know, they're pulled down by. Anyway, if you want to have a good dream at night, go to bed in a good mood happily. You'll have a good dream. Any, is this, is this true that learning should happen when you're happy? Any Talmud Chacham that sits in front of his teacher and his lips are not dripping with uh, bitterness, okay? They should be burnt. That it says his lips are, literally it means that they're like flowers that are dripping myrrh that is, you know, exuding a wonderful fragrance, but they read it as a midrash. It means lips that are learning. I don't know if it should say avar over, but the idea is bitterness, right? In other words, that it's not myrrh, which is a sweet-smelling fragrance, but it means bitterness, meaning seriousness. It means when you sit in front of the teacher, person should be serious and should be focused and should not be uh, silly. So that's why it says, when the lips are learning, they should be dripping with bitterness, not bitterness meaning sadness, but bitterness meaning seriousness, right? So how could you say that you're supposed to be jovial when you're learning? It's not true. If you're the teacher, you can be as jovial as you want. Right? But if you're the student, you have to be disciplined. You can't be joking around and be jokester in the class. I, I, it's a good thing I didn't read this when I was younger because I would have been If you, Another possibility is both are talking about the teacher. Even the teacher has to get serious at some point. It's very famous, right? That, that, that depends. Before the class, you can always start out with some jovial stuff, but then you have to get serious, right? Like Rabbah did. That whenever Rabbah 
would start the shiur to, for the other rabbis. He would start with some funny story, something funny. Everyone would laugh. They would be in a good mood. And then everyone would sit down seriously and they would begin. So it's a, do you see from here, the idea of having an icebreaker, relaxing everybody, telling some funny story, funny joke. It goes all the way from the Gemara 2,000 years ago. They were doing the same concept. And today you'll see any good speaker who comes to a mixed crowd, whether it's at one of these TED Talks or one of these, you know, whatever, any speaker that comes, the rabbis that go around and they speak in the different, they always try to start with some story, entertaining story, usually something funny, because it relaxes everyone and they get their attention and then they can talk about more serious stuff if they have something serious to say. Who is the person who is responsible for writing the Halil that we know? Rabbi Eliezer said that Moshe Rabbeinu and the, and the Jewish people composed it when they were standing by the sea. Right? Him Amru, they said, Lolanu Hashem Lolanu. This is not for us, meaning we don't deserve this. This wasn't done for us. And the divine spirit said to them, Limani, Limani, I'm doing it for me. Meaning, this is all to sanctify God's name in the world. So they said, We're unworthy. Lolanu Hashem Lolanu. The Jewish people recognized that all these miracles weren't done really for them because they deserved it, but they were done to sanctify God's name. And uh, Hashem agreed with that. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, and it shouldn't say Rabbi Yehuda, but it should say what? Rabbi Yoshua Omer. Um, Yoshua v. Yisrael, I'm wrong. Some probably the, whoever the whoever the scribe was was bothered because it said Yoshua right afterwards, so he got so he changed it to got mixed up. But anyway, Yoshua v. Yisrael, I'm wrong. That the Yoshua and the Jewish people said it when the kings of Canaan stood up against them and they were able to defeat those thirty-one kings. Him, I'm wrong. Lolano umeshiva vechulei. In other words, the same thing. The dialogue. They said Lolano Hashem Lolano. It's impossible that Hashem would have done such a miracle for us that we would defeat thirty-one kings. And Hashem said, "You're right. I did it." for my own sake. Rabbi Elazar Modai Omer, Dvorah Barak Amru Vishashamad Aleim Sisra. Dvorah and Barak were the ones who did it, who said the Halel at the time when Sisra um, stood up against them and they won in the book of Shoftim, in the beginning of the book of Shoftim. Same thing, that they said this, what, we're not worthy of this miracle that you did. And Hashem said, you're right, I did it for my own sake. That Chizkiyahu Melech said it with his group. When Sancheriv almost destroyed Jerusalem, one of the most significant and uh, events in Jewish history that they, they and, and world history actually, that Sancheriv did not destroy Jerusalem. Same thing. They said, it, we're not worthy of this great miracle. And Hashem said, you're right, you're not, but uh, I did it for my own sake. Again, they said it when they were saved from the fiery furnace that they were thrown into. They said it. And Hashem said, you're right, this was only to make a kiddush Hashem. Then Mordechai and Esther said it when Haman HaRasha stood against them. Again, same thing. That they said, we don't deserve this miracle. And Hashem said, I did it for my own sake. It was during the period of the Nevi'im that, it, that they established that in every situation, when they're redeemed, they should say it on their redemption. Now, obviously, as we get further on, like when you already get to uh, Esther and Mordechai, how is it possible that the Halil that appears in Sefer Tehilim that preceded them by many uh, generations, uh, they wrote it, or that Cheskiah wrote Halil? So Rashi says here that it doesn't really mean, and the Rashbam doesn't like what Rashi says, but it makes much more sense. Yeah, that each one of them said it. It doesn't mean they originated it. It means the sentiment originated maybe with Moshe Rabbeinu. That they're not actually arguing with, it, with each other. Meaning, 
All of these generations, they have this. Now, who actually wrote it down? Okay, David HaMelech, let's say, wrote it down, but it doesn't even matter. In other words, the sentiment expressed itself by all of these individuals at different times, and maybe the text of the Tehillim formalized it, but it was expressed at all these different times, and it's not saying that each one, that somebody thinks that Mordechai Nestel wrote Halil and they didn't have it before that. It doesn't even make sense, because we know that David HaMelech, when he set up the Bayit Rishon, he also set up the Levi'im to sing Tehillim. So uh, they obviously had the Halil already by then. But in any case, the Amram Chista, Hallelujah, Sofika. Here's a very interesting question. You know, it's something we don't we don't relate to this because we read so many things out of printed books that already answered these questions for us. But if you had a book of Tehillim and you needed to know, is Hallelujah the end of the chapter or the beginning of a chapter? Now, when it's in the end of the Tehillim, where the, each chapter ends and then begins with Hallelujah, right? right? Um, so the, the last, you know, the last segment, the last five Tehillim, they all start and end with Hallelujah. So obviously it's the beginning and the end, but what about when you have Hallelujah in between? Right? Was that Hallelujah supposed to go on? Is that an intro to B'tzayt Yisrael Mimitzrayim? Hallelujah! B'tzayt Yisrael Mimitzrayim! B'tzayt Yisrael Mimitzrayim! Or was it Ema Banim Semecha Hallelujah! And now, which one is it? Which one does the hallelujah go on? They didn't know, so they weren't so sure. So what was the answer? What, 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 was, what, what are the two opinions? So according to Hallelujah, that's what we have. Hallelujah, it's the end of that chapter, right? He says, no, it's hallelujah. We don't think of it that way, right? Everyone knows that's not right because we start a new tune on Betzed Yisrael Right, So that's not how we have it, but that's how, uh, that's how he had it. Okay, Amrav Chizda. Chazina Rav Chanin Barav. I saw the book of Tehillim in the house of Rav Chanin Barav. And remember, everything was written by scroll, on scrolls by Sofrim. They didn't have printed books. What did they do? They put it in between the two Pakim. If you've ever seen the Sefer Tehillim written in... Uh, scribally, so the half of the pasuk is on one side, half of the pasuk is on the other side because it's written as shura. And then in the middle of the two prakim, he put the word hallelujah, so it was not committing to either one. Either it's the first, either it's an introduction to the next one, and it's in the, let's make, maybe it's in the middle of the line or whatever, and the space in between the two tehillim, put it in there, so you could either decide that it's before or after, but he wasn't sure. Alma misafkale, he wasn't sure whether it should go on the previous or the, or the next one. Amavchanin barava, hakol modim, be tilat Hashem yidabir pi, vivarach kol basar shem kutro leolam vared, okay? That uh, there, hallelujah, de, hallelujah, de that the hallelujah there after that is the beginning of a chapter. Now I have to explain that because we are so accustomed to reading Ashrei and the last word, what is the last line of Ashrei? Hallelujah. Hallelujah, but that's not actually the last pasuk. If you look in the Tehillim, what is the last pasuk? That's it. And then it says, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hashem. There's, there, there's no Vanachnu Nevarchia. Okay? So therefore, it doesn't have a Hallelujah at the end. So clearly, that Hallelujah is part of the next. He's saying, everyone agrees that Hallelujah is part of Hallelujah, Hashem, because it begins and ends with Hallelujah, the next five prakit, uh, uh, right? Uh, similarly, similarly, it says that, Rasha Yurevich Ashinav Yachrok Venamas Tavat Yashem Tovet. So that this. This pasuk 
also, he says, and then, and then, so that's talking about the, you know, that the Rasha is going to be eliminated, right? He's going to, he's, uh, he's going to gnash his teeth and he's going to be, uh, you know, and, and he's going to, and, and that the, the aspirations of the wicked should, should be wiped away, should disappear, right? This curse on the wicked, Okay, it's followed by hallelujah, but the hallelujah after it is not connected to the previous. It, it's coming for the next uh, parak. Okay, right? Vishomdim bevet Hashem hallelujah debatrei reish pirka. Okay, vishomdim bevet Hashem is bechatot betel elohenu. So the, again, the hallelujah that comes after that parak, which is parak kuf lamidhei. After that is also a hallelujah. That is the hallelujah of the. Uh, of the next uh, cha- is the the hallelujah of the next uh, chapter, okay? But and Kara Mosifi and the experts in Tanakh added Afet Elo Minachal Badech Yistel Kenyarim Rosh Hallelujah the Batei Reish Pirka. So it's Minachal Badech Yistel Kenyarim Rosh is a is a uh, is the end of a parak of Tehilim. It's the end of Kuf Yud, and Kuf Yud Alf starts with Hallelujah. That's a new. Perik starting with the word hallelujah, so you shouldn't think it goes in the previous one. Also, there's hallelujah after that. That we recognize because we say it on Shabbat afternoon. Doesn't end with hallelujah because the hallelujah there goes on the next uh, perik. Okay, now um, so the thing is that we don't relate to this so easily because we're so used to reading everything out of a sidur where this is already thought out for us, but they, they weren't sure all the time. Now, maybe it's a machlok Because you see that Beit Shammai said, where should you say halil before the meal up to? is not the end of the pasuk. It's hallelujah. So obviously he thinks the hallelujah goes on the next parak. Hallelujah, but you saw me Right? And what did Beit Hillel say? Ad chalamish lemayin omayin. Okay? But what do you see from there? That uh, according to that, they're assuming that Eba Banin Semecha is the end of a pasuk. Now, and that means that hallelujah is, it goes on what's after it. Not on what's before. Ve'tanya idach ad echanu omer Beit Shammai omrim ad betzet Yisrael mimitzrayim. Right? So that would mean including the hallelujah you say. Right? Including the Hallelujah, you say, Beitilel is not so significant here because he's just talking about the next parak anyway. But the idea is that Beit Shammai in the first version is saying to go up to the words, not say the Hallelujah. Why? Because I guess is the end of the Pasuk, according to that version. According to the second version, it says, go up to Beitilel, saying that the Hallelujah is part of the previous Pasuk because the next parak starts So my love, seems to be exactly this point. Right? The the version that said that Beit Shammai says go up to the words Ema Banim Semecha is assuming that Hallelujah goes on the next chapter. And the one that says that you go up to Beit Yisrael is assuming that that word Hallelujah is the end of the previous chapter. So when it says Ad Beit Yisrael, it means including the Hallelujah with the previous chapter, right? So that's exactly the machloket that we're talking about here. But he says Rav Chisda Mitzaritzatamei. Rav Chisda can answer it according to his own uh, reasoning. Right? Because they'll say, Everybody agrees that Hallelujah is the end of the chapter and it's really, it's really, So the version that said that Beit Shammai says, read up to Beit Yisrael is exactly right because Hallelujah really goes on Right? And what it means when it says to the end of that Pasuk. Okay? V'nei ma'ad hallelujah. 
So and and so why doesn't it say the word hallelujah then? If the hallelujah really goes on Ema Banim Hallelujah, so why doesn't it say that? Because hallelujah. Maybe you'll say the reason why is because we won't know. Hallelujah appears so many times, we won't know which hallelujah it is. So Venema Hallelujah Shil So really if if Bechamai really agrees with you, Rav Chizda, that the hallelujah goes, that everyone agrees that the hallelujah of Ema Banim Hallelujah is the correct rendition. So why doesn't it say go up to the Ema Banim Hallelujah? Why does it just say go up to Ema Banim Smecha? And it says Kasha. That's a difficulty. We don't know. Rabbi Baruchuna will also defend his position that the Hallelujah goes on Hallelujah, but Tzitzel Mitzrayim. How will he defend it? Because everybody agrees with me that the hallelujah is hallelujah, but say yourself, we'll have to change the tune to fit it. Right? So the version that says that according to Beit Shammai, you only go up to the words makes perfect sense because you start the word hallelujah with the next chapter after dinner. Right? However, the one who says that you go up to Beit Shammai, right? Because it doesn't make, he's saying up to and not include it. Okay, but up to and not including. What about the word hallelujah, though? Right? So it's venema ad hallelujah. Why don't we say until the hallelujah? The hallelujah, but say yourself, according to him, right? Vechitema delayad inan, hey hallelujah. Maybe you'll say we don't know which hallelujah it is. Neymar hallelujah, shebet said Yisrael. So Kasha, the point is that it's very difficult for both sides. It would seem more reasonable to say that these two brightot are actually arguing in the same argument that they have the than to try to... Kasha. Right, to Kashyab, right? In the end, they tried to defend it, but their defense was not very strong, yeah. right? Because the, the brighta that doesn't support their view is very hard to reconcile with their view. So it's, be- it's more likely that the machloket in those brightot actually mirrors the machloket that they had. And it, it really was that, that uh, there were two Tanaim, one that thought that hallelujah, it goes hallelujah, but and one that says hallelujah. Either way, you close with Geulah. Why we say Gaal Yisrael? Interesting. So when we say the Bacha after the Kriyat we say Baruch Hashem Gaal Yisrael. But it's Lota, we say Goel Yisrael, right? In the Amidah, we say Goel. Because we're praying for Yulah. Ga'al is the past. Hashem redeemed Israel. Because in, in Yitziat Mitzrayim, we're talking about what already happened. And also in Kriyat Shema, we're talking about Yitziat Mitzrayim, what already happened. We say Ga'al Yisrael. Go'el Yisrael is you're asking for right now or for the future. So you say Hashem is the one who redeems Israel, meaning from now on, not about the past. Since you're asking for something, it's Go'el Yisrael. Amar Rabbi Zerah, Amar so, or Veratzavano in ours, right? So it says, when it comes to Kiddush, we say, Asher right? We say, He sanctified us with His commandments. The Grah takes out the word Vitzivano, uh, right? It's Lota, Kadishenu Bemitzvotecha. We say, Sanctify us with your commandments. answer. The Kiddush is describing something that already happened. Hashem sanctified us with His mitzvot. It's not happening right now, it already happened. But when we say in the prayer, sanctify us, we're asking Hashem to do something, so we say it in the future. Okay? We always mention Yitzhak Mitzrayim in the Kiddush of the day. It says you have to remember the day of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And it says over there, remember the Shabbat. So, just like, so it's like a Shabbat. But really they are connected because our recognition of Hashem as the creator of the world was through Yitzhak Mitzrayim. That's how the Jewish people came to recognize so it relates to Kiddush also. When we talk about David in the Amidah, we say, He causes the flourishing of the salvation, right? The Aftarta, 
Magen David. But when we talk about David in the, in the Haftar, we say Magen David. So what happened? Right? So, Because Hashem told, uh, uh, told David Amelech, I'm going to give you a great name like the name of the great people. And that means that Taner Rav Yosef, Magen David, just like we say Magen Avraham, right? We say Magen David. But according to Rashi, the Rashbam says that Rashi says that we don't say Magen David in the Amidah because we already said Magen Avraham in the Amidah. So it would be like, you know, it would take away from the Magen Avraham that we said in the Amidah. If we said it also Magen David. So that's why in the, in the Amidah we don't say Magen David. We say, uh, we say Matzmiach Keren But another interpretation is that in the, tfil- in the Tfilah we're asking Hashem to make salvation flourish. We're not describing that David was, uh, that Hashem was the shield of David. We're, we are asking Hashem for something in the future. So it's Matzmiach Keren Yishua. That uh, this is very famous. Hashem says, Hashem said to Avraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. That's why we say Hashem is the God of Avraham in the Amidah. I'm going to bless you. That's why we say Eloi Yitzchak. And we say, I'm going to, and Hashem said, I'm going to make your name great. That's why we say Hashem is the God of Yaakov. Maybe the Chatim the closing of the Bachai should be Baruch Atah Hashem Magen Avraham Yitzchak Yaakov but it's not Talmud Lomar Vehyeh Bacha the Pasuk says you shall be a blessing Bacha Chotmin we only conclude with you Vein Chotmin Bechulan we don't close with all of them Avraham has a superiority over the other Avot because even though all the Avot were great and some of them actually reached maybe heights that, could, that Avraham himself didn't reach because they built on his work you know but he was the original he was the original he was the pioneer. He was the one that discovered the first Jew. He was the one that discovered the Yichud Hashem, the oneness of God. So no, there wouldn't have been a Yitzchak and a Yaakov without Avram. So he's the foundation of everything. So even if it's true that they might have built on his work and developed and made a nation out of what he started, but uh, he was the founder and therefore it's Magen Avraham. Amar said, I found that the, the elders of Pumbedita, the Adeva Kamre, Bishabata, Ben Bitsota, Ben Bekidusha, Mekadesh Shabbat, Biomatava, Ben Bitsota, Ben Bekidusha, Mekadesh Shabbat, this is what we say. Right? On Shabbat, in the Kiddush and in the Amida, we say, Bauchat Hashem, Mekadesh Shabbat. In, on Yom Tov, we say, Mekadesh Israel, Vazimanim. Vamina, Lahu, and I said to them, says Rabbah, Anna Adarabah, I disagree. Ditzlota, when it comes to the Tfila, Ben Bitsota, Ben Bekidusha, I'm sorry, I say in the tefillah on Shabbat and Yom Tov, I say in the tefillah on Shabbat and Yom Tov, so meaning in the Amidah of Shabbat, and instead of saying Mekadesh Shabbat, he said Mekadesh Yisrael. In other words, the, the question is, should the closing, uh, he's agreeing with the closing of the Kiddush. He's saying, should the closing of the tefillah be different and be Mekadesh Yisrael? Right, and I said my reasoning and their reasoning. Right, he said your. I'll tell you your reasoning and I'll tell you mine. When it comes to Shabbat, it is Nobody establishes Shabbat. It's established from the beginning of time. Right, it's a fixed thing. So we are involved in establishing the Amim Tovim by establishing the calendar. So therefore, because we are the ones who establish the months and the years. So therefore, we say because who are the ones who determine for the holidays when they're going to be? It's the Jewish people and the Betin. So that's why we say that But I build on that, says Rabban. I say Okay, that when even though that's all true. 
Right, the distinct he agrees with the distinction between mikdash Shabbat and mikdash selvas meaning, but only for kiddush. He's saying, I think for for tefillah, which is public, it's berabim. We should honor the Jewish people by saying mikdash Israel. Okay, and therefore kiddush to be achir ita b'shabbat mikdash Shabbat b'yom tov mikdash selvas manim kiddush, which is private, it's of a private nature. So therefore, we say we refer to Shabbat and we refer to Yom Tov. But the public, when we want to honor the Jewish people and their holiness, we say Mikdash Yisrael. Right? So it says Veloi, but it's not really true because Totab Yachid Milete. Right? Is there no? Uh, there's no such thing as Tefillah by yourself, an individual Tefillah. And there's no such thing as a Kiddush that's public. Where Rava never saw anybody have a big Kiddush that's public. It says He'll say you go by the main thing. Right, tefillah is, is is in its essential form, in its primary form, a communal thing. Kiddush is a family thing; it's a private thing. Okay, Ula Barav Nachit Kamed Rava. One time, Ula Barav came and he was praying in front of Rava. Amar Kesabed Pum Bedita, Velo Amar Lev Lomidi. Right, even though he prayed according to the elders of Pum Bedita, meaning he said Mekadesh Shabbat and Mekadesh Zovah Zmanim in the Amida, Rava didn't say anything. Alma Hadarbe Rava. It sounds like Rava retracted his view. Rav Natan of Wadravuna, Braid Rav Natan, Nachitka Medrav Papa, Amarks Abed de Pumbedita, Vishabhera Papa. So this uh, here, Rav Natan, the father of Ravuna was the son of Rav Natan, went in front of Rav Papa's the Khazan, and Rav Papa praised him for saying Mikadesh Shabbat and Mikadesh Savaz Manim. Amaravina Ravina said, Anai Klala Sura, Kameh de Marimar, Venachet Kameh Shluchad Sibura. He said, I was one time in Sura in front of Marimar. And the, the Chazan went down. Everybody silenced the Chazan for doing it. Because he did, according to Sabed de Pumbedita, according to the elders of Pumbedita, meaning he went up and said, Mekadesh Shabbat or Mekadesh Zelvazimanim. And they said, No, wrong. He said to them, Shavkuhu. So then Marimar said, in other words, everybody started yelling at him. It's like, you know, when the people correct somebody, but the rabbi's like, no, he's actually right. You don't have to correct him. Right? So the people were saying, no, it's not because it's Shabbat. It's because it's Israel. And Marimar said, no, he's right. The halacha goes like the elders of Pumadita. And that's exactly what we do. We have both in our tefillah and in our kiddush the same language. Mekadesh Shabbat for Shabbat. Mekadesh Shabbat for Holidays. And of course, for Shabbat and a holiday, Mekadesh Shabbat Bisel Vazimanim.